Welcome to Bat Therapy, the psychology of Batman, superheroes, and other comic book characters. Be a fly on the wall or a bat in the cave, listening in on a friendship built out of a love for talking Batman, comics, and the everyday struggle to achieve mental health and happiness. We are your hosts, clinical psychologist Dr. Amelia Brown and comic enthusiast and nerd aficionado Keaton Hopkins. This podcast is about providing education and understanding and is not a replacement for mental health treatment or support. If you're needing help, go to bat-therapy.com for resources. All right. So um, today we're going to be talking about a portion of an installment of Superman Batman. Uh, I love I love this series of comics where they put Superman and Batman together. It's like I I just love their personalities riffing off of each other. So, oh yeah, absolute it power. Is. Absolute power. Uh, it's yeah. That so the Superman Batman, the first the first run of it they did this this came out in two thousand and five and it ran. It's I think Jeff Loeb. Yes. Wrote it and Who I love so good. And it ran for what five issues it was uh superman batman numbers 14 through 18 and i've seen it for sale on amazon as well as it's on the the dc app that's where where you can just go up there and read it but it's only five issues it's a quick read but it's a really great story because i do love when the the alternate universe is just has like some kind of off the wall reasoning behind it and this one was this one's possibly one of my favorites because it's super villains from the future that normally fight against the legion of superheroes and they come back in time and they kill the kents as well as the waynes and then raise bruce and clark as their own and then kill the rest of the Justice League. They kill the rest of them. They're like, oh, we're going to kill them. But we're going to raise these two as our own. And then Batman and Superman are still Batman and Superman, but they are dictators. It's, it's thought, a lot I going on. I thought you were going to say, but they're dicks. And I was like, yeah, they kind of... <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, not wrong, but yeah. It, yeah, it is interesting. So, so you have Batman and Superman, but they've essentially been brainwashed from... I was going to say birth, but that uh, from a very early age and essentially to believe that, okay, our, our parents, they took us, they changed time to make things how it truly should have been so that things are better. You know, there's not famine. People aren't murdering each other. Uh, sure. We killed off all of the superheroes and this, that, and the other, and there's no free will or anything, but woohoo. Um, yeah. Although they didn't, they didn't kill Green Arrow, which is interesting. So, well, he he, oh, he dies during. Yeah. <laughs> Correction, like, oh. he does die, but he hasn't died long ago like the other superhero. So it's it's weird because they kind of what was it that they said? So so they could change time, but they could only do so much, or they would actually unravel the fabric of time, or some something like that. Is that what it was? Right, they, so they couldn't do everything. Yeah, they're they're aware. Of like the space-time continuum, and so they're like, "We're gonna change this, but we can't change too much." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" But they like, a lot. why does no one learn from Barry Allen? Like, no one learns <laughs> from him. Like, have y'all not learned yet? Stop screwing with time. Like, why? Why do y'all keep doing this? And I, I do love the, the, the quirky, the quirky names of the villains in this. Oh my god, so funny. <laughs> Lightning Lord, Saturn Queen, and Cosmic King. I'm like, you know, so like well, and also <laughs> very campy because all of the mainstream superheroes were killed off. They have all these like super random superheroes <laughs> that are gathered all together to to try and uh, win out. So that's really fun too. So I had completely forgotten about the DC character Uncle Sam. <laughs> I didn't know about I, it except for this comic. I had completely forgotten about him. And for those of you that don't know, this guy actually looks like the American Uncle Sam in like the red, white, and blue top hat that's on all the Only You posters. Like he, oh, I and and he runs on 
freedom and hope. Like he's a very, very American character. Yeah. Like if you're ex- not from the United States, because we know we have international people, look look up Uncle Sam. It's a very. I, I'm sure you will chuckle at at how American, stereotypically American, it all is. Right, very over the top. And then, of course, to make it even better, he becomes a Green Lantern. Yes. <laughs> like, but I I thought about it. And I'm like, man, I feel like a lot of even even though it was just it was 2005 which is strangely almost 20 years ago but oh, we're not going to get into that yeah i know it's crazy but some of the characters in this i was like cringing at the the names uncle sam wasn't so bad but do you remember there was there was one like a native american superhero and his name was scout hunter and i was like that's horrible like how, it's 2005 like how did that slip through there like i was like, oh god this Keenan, I, I, we, we weren't <laughs> as woke in 2005 as we thought we were <laughs> yeah, yeah we were just we were dixie chicks for some strange reason exactly it was, it was a weird time freedom fries i just remember oh, <laughs> i just remember we were mad at france it was it was a weird weird time <laughs> we were mad in france weren't we i mean i wasn't yeah. mad at france i thought it was silly but i don't even remember what the reason was there's a lot, yeah. There was a lot going on, and uh, that that post post nine eleven world, it was just it's some very very crazy, strange, odd times. Like I yeah. look back on them, like what was what was that? But just like that, so we... so a few things did not age well. But the story, you know, in and of itself, uh, does age well. I think, or or is it entertaining still? But yeah, yeah, there were a few things that you're like, <laughs> so. The one thing that I think was interesting about this was because Superman and Batman were raised together, mm-hmm. they're very, very close yes. in this. Like they are, I love they, that. they truly are like, li- like in the literal sense, they're brothers in, yes. in this. And so I, th- I thought that was really interesting because, and nothing's different about their costumes. Nothing's different about their 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 power set and so i had a lot of questions because i'm like wait how did batman still get all of the training like i was like how i i bet his parents just had him go through it but but here's the thing though I, i i did question that too because part of what helps him be essentially superhuman even though he doesn't have superpowers is just the obsessive drive he has following his parents' death, which you wouldn't think would be the same here because his parents die, then these like future people come, they kill the murderer, and then they take him and adopt him. And so I, I think though they hint that the the trauma, the rage and all of that is still there for him because Superman Clark Kent talks about how Bruce doesn't really connect with people very easily based right. on his past. But you, you, yeah, you, you, you think that Batman wouldn't quite have the same. I don't know. He just wouldn't be as powerful. But he does seem to still be quite the powerhouse. Yeah, because and it's it's just it's really it's it's really interesting the way that the even though in this universe all is seemingly well with them, there's still trauma there. Like yeah. there's still it's like lingering in the background because they end up whether like when they're going through all these different times, they end up experiencing loss because like they, they actually take turns dying, it seems like. Yeah. So so what Keaton's referring to is um if you haven't read it or it's been a while. So yes, they're dictators and then there are all these superheroes that are very random, except for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's there, so we know her, of course. Green Arrow is there in the beginning, but his yeah, his got, ending he's got is not three so great. pages. Yeah, he's got a few pages before he he's finds the wrong end of uh, yeah. <laughs> Superman. That, that that heat, heat vision, vision. I yeah. tell you, yikes. <laughs> um, and so essentially they find out. So the fates tell Wonder Woman and, and the women of Themyscira that essentially this is not the true timeline. And so they're trying to fix it and like find the way to time travel and whatever. And so with all of that, it ends up where Superman and Batman end up essentially getting flung through all these different alternate reality things. And they just, yeah, 
essentially they keep jumping from one to the next as soon as one of them dies. And they seem to die quite frequently when it comes to these different scenarios. One thing that I thought was interesting, because there's there was one timeline where all it's like the world is ruled by intelligent apes and they're all the heroes that are left are like fighting against these apes. And one thing I thought was really interesting was they knew who Superman and Batman were. I thought it was really, I thought it was really interesting. Like knowing like someone knowing who you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. when you don't. Yeah. Right. Like having, like having that label, like, Oh my God, you're the world's greatest superhero. And there's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's talk about that. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) how do you live up to that? (laughs) Oh, you're the one you are. And actually Superman's had to probably live up to this a lot. Even, even before people knew about him, just knowing what prowess he had, that's just so much pressure to live up to. Not not yeah. to jump completely to, I mean, different comics altogether, but with great power comes great responsibility, right? And so yeah. with great expectations of others, I don't know, it's just a lot. That's how much weight is on these two superheroes. That even, even when time has completely ripped away their identities and they're flinging through all these random worlds and universes, yeah, th- there's still something recognizing who they're meant to be and that wow that's a lot yeah well and it's the thing the big difference is too is whenever i think about superman like everyone looks up to superman because of just how powerful mm. he is like he's just he's the strongest it's like oh wow the asteroid's about to hit earth oh well he just blew it away like he just mm-hmm. like he he can just take on the monumental tasks that no one else would be able to stop. Yeah. He can stop a volcanic eruption, he can lift the Titanic, he can throw an atom bomb into space. Like he just can physically do the impossible. And then on the other side of that, I think what makes Batman so amazing and what people are like impressed by is his ability to just not only be an, a phenomenal fighter, but he can just outthink yeah. everyone. He can he can outthink everyone, and then on top of that, I think what's more impressive is the fact that Gotham still exists. Like <laughs> the fact that Batman still has Gotham in a state where it still runs and functions yeah. is a miracle in and of itself. Like you see that, and it's like, okay, yeah, that guy, he's one of the best, right? <laughs> you know what's interesting though is that you were talking about why people are are impressed by superman and that is not why batman's impressed by superman that which is why i love the superman batman comics a lot is they toy around a lot with that relationship and you get to look into a little bit more and yeah people are easily impressed by what superman can do but for bruce what he really is amazed by is is here is someone who could squish us like a bug who could see us as ants and yet he's the most human of everybody. Yeah. He and he looks up to him. And that's what was so strange about this comic cuz in this comic like this fir- the first half of it they're essentially the same and it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. weird seeing them be exactly the same and have the exact same attitudes. It was just it was odd. Well, and and so the quote-unquote parents, the people from the future who took them they essentially said that you need the darkness and the light together in the unique way that you have with superman and batman and so they wanted to keep them as true to themselves as they could rather than you know killing them off like all the other superheroes but yeah it's it's definitely very interesting because it 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 makes you very uneasy to see their personality is not too far off, and yet here they are plopped in as dictators, and they don't seem to mind whatsoever. And it's just kind of ho hum. Here we go. Oh, happy birthday, Clark! Um, here's Green Arrow. You can burn him alive. Um, yeah. And okay, now <laughs> let's go hang out with our parents. Interesting gift. Interesting gift, right? Yeah, and yet uh, they're not that different from themselves. And I, I think it's a good reminder, though, because a lot of times when we look at 
people who have done really terrible things, we tend to put them in this box of like monster or you are something completely different. You're you're not human. And right. and yet or they're all human. They're all people. They there are wants and needs and drives and and things that make them like make a person who does say things like they do in here like everyone else. So it is kind of like weird how much like themselves they are. And at the same time, I, I like that they did that. Well, it's, it is. And that's a really good point that you said there, because whenever I think about like, like you said, the person that does something really bad and gets a label put on them, like e- even in like today's society, like if someone does something bad and they go to prison, in theory, they're supposed to be being what, rehabilitated, right? Mm. And when they come out, they are a different person from when they went in. But society does not treat them that way. At depends on the at society, all. but yes, ours is um, not great yes. at it. Yeah, and it's but I and I thought that was I just thought that was interesting too because it it's like the reverse happened when this version of Batman and Superman goes and they're just look they're they're actually villainous in this situation but mm-hmm. everybody else knows them as the greatest superheroes and so it's like an opposite thing kind of happens and mm-hmm. then they're just like wait no what's happening right now why did he shoot me with his laser eyes like what one thing i do think's cool too is this whole story is basically about them more or less discovering the truth and yeah. figuring out what's going on because as they jump from timeline to timeline they start realizing like okay something weird is going on and we have to figure this out and they make a they they make a straight up deal with the devil here which honestly i had forgotten about because i read this comic a long time ago i forgot that they made a deal with dark side and that's when you are really (laughs) in trouble when you go to him and you're like let's make a deal darts i'm like no no, absolutely not. Like I that's, mean, it's in the name, Dark Side. <laughs> right. He's the ultimate bad guy. Like he's obsessed. He's obsessed with something called the anti-life equation. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's what it warning, was funny. Warning. Right. And it made me honestly think about like, man, like what? Like I think about the the worst person in like my life like not even somebody that's necessary of necessarily a villain but somebody i would never want to see someone i would never want to talk to like what kind of situation would i have to be in for me to say you know what i'm gonna go to them right i I don't know what kind of mental state that would put me in like having to go to my absolute arch nemesis my absolute worst enemy and be like I need your help. Yeah. Well, I mean, and we've we've talked about that in other episodes of this podcast where really that sort of thing, it it takes a really strong common goal or common enemy or you have to go from us versus them to, okay, now we're on the same side. But yeah, it's it's going to take a lot when it comes to certain people or certain situations. And yeah, it's so strange to see Superman and Dark Side buddying up and not only uh superman and dark side but and he's probably my favorite character in this whole comic there's an older superman Mm -hmm. that's also there that's basically from the future and knows exactly how things are supposed to be and i loved his interactions with his younger self because he's like i'm smarter than you i'm stronger than you you have no idea what's going on, and I do. I wish so bad that I could go back and do that to my <laughs> younger self. I'm I w- smarter than you. <laughs> right. Like, kid, listen. It's going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. and You really should not be crying about this right now. Like, you can, <laughs> like, I just, I just want to kind of, I, I, more than anything, I think I want to give my younger self a hug and be like, listen. You're going to get through this. You're stronger than you think. And I just, but I really loved that, that older Superman that was like, y'all need to get it together because mm-hmm. this ain't going to fly. Y'all need to fix this. I I do love how he was there. He he felt like a dad. He did feel yeah. like a dad. Like he was just kind of shows up and he's like, 
look, y'all screwed up big time. And now we got to make a deal with this. Being dictators is not great. (laughs) Right. Let's let's change this. (laughs) Right. Like you did the opposite of what you were supposed to do. Why is Lex Luthor out here putting bounties on you because you're so evil? Like what? (laughs) Uh, But I, I just, yeah, I do love his, his character because it's, it's interesting because I almost looked at it like he was, he saw their potential and what they should be. And knowing that, okay, you have to go and fix this. And so in order to fix this, it doesn't even matter. We're going to make a deal with the worst being ever to make sure that this happens. Um, And so they, they go back in time he gives them a time machine because yeah the way you fix time travel issues is more time travel (laughs) you know that's a good point that is always the way you fix time travel and that seems like a mistake right well it gosh there's so many plot holes in time travel too because it's like that doesn't work because when here's the here's the thing about time travel that always gets me this is this is the thing whenever they go back in time and they screw up like, just go back five minutes before that, right? Like, you essentially, <laughs> there's no reason you can't do that, right? Like, oh, I'm just going to go back five more minutes ahead of time and rinse and repeat. But that doesn't make for a good story. That's yeah. just, like, excessive. <laughs> but I do want to hit on something that, that you're bringing up here, um, which is essentially that they start doing things that, they wouldn't normally do. And so for Superman, it's it's making a deal with Darkseid that kind of hovers over his head at the end. Uh, and then for Batman, what stood out to me was, so within the storyline, one of the interesting things is, okay, so they're going through time or these different timelines or realities or whatever they are. And... They realize, okay, we need to fix it. So like like Keaton's pointing out, let's fix time travel by time traveling. And then they go back and they're essentially trying to stop their adoptive parents from doing what they did and killing Clark's parents from taking Bruce, et cetera. And so everything goes great for Clark because <laughs> his parents are going to live. So great. Well, then we get to Bruce. His life's still going to suck because they're not stopping his parents from dying. They're just stopping the killing of the guy who did it and him getting connected with his like new adoptive parents. So um, he goes in and he stops it. He, He literally stops his parents from dying. And then Clark has to go and find Bruce, who's no longer Batman, because Batman essentially said, I'm not playing this game anymore. Why? If we're going back in time, like Keaton said, going back in time again, we can just cause more problems. So when they go, when they're trying to fix what Bruce broke, essentially, um, Batman ends up killing somebody. And it's, uh, he kills Ra's al Ghul. And he actually says something along the lines of, well, killing him doesn't count because it's going to make everything right again. And it will actually undo all the other killings that we've done across time. So isn't that interesting? Kind of like Superman and Darkseid pairing up. That's an odd pairing. And then here you have Batman killing people, which, you know, Base Keaton, you've argued how Batman must kill people. He just doesn't mean to. They're kind of <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. You know, it's, it's of... unintended consequences. But in the movies, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Setting that aside, theoretically, he doesn't kill people, and yet here is Batman saying, "Okay, well, I'm actively killing Ra's al Ghul, but it's okay. It doesn't count." So this is a really great example of cognitive dissonance. Oh. Um. Yeah, so cognitive dissonance, essentially, what you have is we have our thoughts, we have our behaviors, and, well, we have our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, if you want to kind of simplify the things that that make up our experiences, what we think, what we do, and how we feel, and they all affect each other. And so sometimes we act, we do things 
that don't line up with our belief system. So Batman killing people when theoretically he's anti-killing people. And that makes you feel terrible. You feel uncomfortable when your actions don't line up with what you believe. And so either either you feel crummy, (laughs) you continue to feel crummy, or if you're like, no, I don't want to feel like this, you either change your actions or you change your thoughts and your beliefs about your actions. And so he's not changing the killing. He says, okay, well, here's why this one doesn't count. And I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah. So I'm all right. So I have a question for you about uh, cognitive dissonance. Is it one of those things where it's always bad, or is there sometimes where this could be a a good thing? Like I, I guess mm-hmm. my thought is like, say for instance, if you did take a life, but it was either in self defense or to save someone else, is it considered cognitive dissonance when you say, I did that, but I only did it because of this. Is that considered cognitive dissonance or is that just So cognitive different? dissonance would be the tension between, let, let's say you have someone who says, I don't kill people. I value life. Um, I value people. I'm, I'm not a killer. And yet they kill somebody. I mean, this is an extreme example, um, but every day we have things as well. Like, uh, uh, I'm an honest person, but I lied to somebody is, is a more common one that probably everyone hits on at some point. Um, oh, it's they, just a white lie. Yeah, it's just a white lie. And so cognitive dissonance isn't a good or a bad thing. It's, it's just kind of a, a reality of how how our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors interact with one another. Mm. And being aware of that dissonance can be useful because you can make sure that you're responding to it in the way that you want to. So um, the, the fact that you lie and then feel uncomfortable about it because you see yourself as an honest person, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's helpful to be aware of, okay, why am I feeling uncomfortable? Oh, it's because I see myself as an honest person and I lied here. And then being aware of those, those cognitive dissonances can help us be able to work through them so we end up feeling better in the long run. The unfortunate thing is sometimes, sometimes we do things that might actually, um, I don't know, uh, make things more difficult in the long run. Like, uh, for example... Um, you know, Batman saying, um, I'm only killing someone for a means to an end. In this case, isn't necessarily a bad thing that'll lead him down a terrible path because it is going to reset time and get everything back on track. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that he, he could have easily said within that dictator role. I'm killing someone, but it's for a greater good. In fact, they were saying that the whole time while they were there. So it's an interesting, right? So it's an interesting thing where um, if you're not careful, um, you might change your behaviors or change your thoughts in a way that might lead you down a dark path. But you can also change things for the good, too. Like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Um, Maybe you find it a a less violent way in the future. or. Sometimes it's good to feel guilty about things that we do, and it makes us think twice the next time around. Or maybe, like you said, maybe sometimes it was self-defense or this, that, and the other, and hopefully that can help you feel better about it. And, you know, you you touch on something, too, about, like, maybe it's good to feel bad about things sometimes. This is what's interesting about this comedy. This was, like, I think one of the most poignant points. Superman and Batman still remember everything that they did in those past histories. And it really Mm -hmm. weighs heavily on them. Like, they remember killing Green Arrow. Superman remembers killing Wonder Woman, which, oh my god, that was brutal. Because he, like, chokes her with her lasso. Like, it was like, oh my, like, this is rough. Uh, Yeah, he remembers that. And so they remember all the bad things 
that mm-hmm. they did, even though technically in this timeline it didn't happen, it still weighs on yeah. them. And it just, it made me realize, like, even if something turns out okay, traumatic events that we go through still sit with us. Even if we yeah. get past it and we essentially have a, a new, we're in a new stage of life, we still from time to time get held back by those like something that we mm-hmm. went through a long a long time ago right that may not even be holding you back anymore because i mean in this case it, it's weird right because they technically did those things but they also technically didn't do, do those things all at the same time yeah which and is I, a, a mental twist right there right so let, let's take cognitive dissonance okay so you have your thoughts your feelings and your behaviors well they both did the action, but also didn't do the action. Yes. It makes me, and honestly, what it makes me think about is when someone does something wrong under the influence of mm. like alcohol or drug, because yes, they mm, did it. Yeah. They did it, but were they 100% themselves when this happened? I don't know if you can say they are. Right. Well, and then there, uh, I mean, that it obviously is a different set of circumstances, but also layered in complexity. Right. So where's the free will? Where is there not? So, OK, well, did you choose to be in that state? But then also, OK, well, there's also addiction processes that could be going on and what is under right. a person's control versus not. And yes. what would they have done had they known what would happen later versus not? And yeah, it, it is one of those things kind of like that where there are times where we, it, it, yeah, it's not as as clean and clear as I specifically chose to do this thing knowing what would occur, and I chose to do it anyway. Life's a lot of times not that simple. Always shades of gray. Always. Yeah. Always. And I honestly, I hadn't even thought about things like addiction, like the things yeah. that people do when they're addicted to things like um and it gets to a point where someone is not themselves because mm-hmm. their their body is physically in need of of something or yep. it can be a mental addiction but either way it's almost like they aren't they aren't themselves they aren't in their right mind and and you know what it's we don't have a clean and clear way of Really defining that. Okay, when is someone in control of themselves? When are they not in control of themselves? It's like you were saying, all of these shades of gray. And then here you have time travel. Uh, Another great example. So, okay, you have, you still have Superman and Batman. They're very much themselves. And yet they're doing these things that are very out of character. And clearly it's because of what these future people did. And and changed and yet they still were adults choosing for the i mean this is why the legal system is so complicated right when when you know guilty not guilty and whatnot um and when they when they go into a person's past and their childhood upbringing or their Mm -hmm. brain chemistry or they pull all these things to to say hey we don't have a good handle on when is someone completely quote in control of their yeah. behaviors what does that even mean yeah and and so and i i really yeah it made me think about that a lot at the end when they're still honestly they're they're really really shaken and distraught from the things that they did in these alternate timelines and it's it felt like they were trying to get back to home base because when they're back in the right timeline, one of the first things they do is they go find Green Arrow. Yep. Uh, and check on him. And he's Green he's Arrow so in the in the comics is so funny. He calls him the Hardy Boys. Yep. Uh, and yeah, he's he's so he's like Green Arrow in the comics is like ultra liberal. It's just like <laughs> get out of my city. What are y'all doing here? Go help someone else. Get out yeah, of my face. He's, like, he's just so um snarky. He is. He's very I snarky. And then uh and then of course they go check in. They meet with uh Wonder Woman. Superman meets with Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and he's just he doesn't tell her what he did, but he kind of just says like lets her know 
how thankful he is yeah. for her and her friendship and who she is. Um, and it just, I think that happens to all of us. Like we might do something to someone and it might even hurt us more than it hurts. It necessarily hurts them, mm. but it weighs on us. It weighs on us so much because it's like, oh mm. my God, I can't believe I did that. And and they might not even be thinking about it. They might not even, they might didn't even notice it, but you can be like, I wonder if they think this, I wonder if, I should have said that. And like, it just, it'll, but it'll weigh on you Mm -hmm. what you do to someone else, even if it doesn't necessarily affect them as much. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously an extreme version of that where, okay, well, it's a different time. So she definitely definitely doesn't know, uh, which is nice. So he, he knows for sure she isn't, isn't aware, but you're, you know, you're right. It, It does hit on, on that piece where there's so many inner workings going on for, for a person. And it also makes me think of that complicated piece of when are you, I always try and, and, and be mindful when I'm helping someone try and heal. And they're also trying to figure out how to heal around other people that they know, or maybe others have been harmed as well. You know, whether it has to do with a trauma that they both experienced or maybe one perpetrated against the other. Um, or, you know, we were talking about addiction before, unfortunately, addiction has a lot of ripple effects and a lot of people can get affected and you want to repair that you want to do something, but it's so important to be mindful about what would help me, what would help the other person. And it's tricky. So like Superman, for example, he might've felt better in, in some ways to tell her. Mm-hmm. take a little bit of weight off. It's not so much of a, a, a secret. Um, it can feel good to be able to apologize to someone outright for something. And yet in this set of circumstances, she doesn't have any clue about it and um, it isn't really connected to it in any way. And, and it, it hits on that piece of sometimes we have to be careful because we can, he could have told her the whole story and been really apologetic and this, that, and the other, but would he have? Who would he have been doing that for? That's a good point, right? So he he's feeling bad about what he did to her, but then if he went through this whole process, in this set of circumstances anyway, it probably would only be benefiting him. So it's not really helping her in any way. But it's it's tricky how that kind of stuff can work. So when, like you were saying, some sometimes there are things that we're worried about with other people. When do we approach something and it's be truly because we're worried about that person versus we're trying to reduce the load on ourselves and it's actually adding load to the other person? Yeah. And it honestly, what it makes me, what it also made me think about too, and especially in their situation is I questioned, should they feel guilty? Hmm. Like, should they feel guilty? Because I, and, and this is something I feel like is just the just because of how things like therapy are portrayed in in television and in movies all i feel like every single time you see a session going on at some point the therapist or the psych like whoever it is says you shouldn't feel guilty it's mm. always it it seems like it's always you shouldn't feel mm. guilt but i thought about it and i was like but they did it like but they did do that like Sometimes you should feel guilt, shouldn't you? Like, so, like, honestly, it's a bad thing if you don't feel any kind of guilt. So we're hitting on cognitive dissonance again, right? Okay. The, the guilt is the feeling coming from a disconnect between the belief systems, what a person values, how they view themselves, and the actions that they took. And so guilt would be the response someone has when... The behavior is something that they see going against what they value and how they feel they, quote, should be or what they hope. To. I don't like using shoulds a lot because shoulds tend to automatically bring about feelings of shame and guilt versus um, what we hope to be, what, what, what we would aspire to be, that sort of thing. Um, 
And yeah, it's an intriguing question. So it's complicated here because once again, we have this thing where they did it, but they didn't do it. And so what's their culpability in all of this? But you're right. I agree with you in that. um, So I'm not a therapist that always tells their clients that they uh, don't need to feel guilty. So, you know, we that definitely is in there. Well, sometimes guilt's not a bad thing. And, And in fact, usually the way I encourage it is you're feeling what are you feeling? Okay, we're identifying guilt. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that's coming? So helping them highlight how their thoughts and their actions might be in conflict with each other so that they can from there figure out, okay, what is, what is this guilt? Is this guilt trying to tell me something in terms of a way that I need to change something or... Um, a way that I need to maybe um, uh, be mindful of things in the future? Or is there something else going on? Because sometimes we feel guilty and we don't, it's not our fault. Right. Sometimes we feel guilty and there's not a lick we can do about it. (laughs) Sometimes we feel guilty and you know what? We did something. Right. And and I'm with you. When, When we're feeling guilty because of something that we've done that is in conflict with the best version of ourselves, that guilt can, can actually be helpful in creating change. If you don't allow yourself to feel the guilt, you're not going to go through the work you need to change the behaviors or to change the thoughts going on that are getting in the way of being a better version of yourself. And honestly, looking at that comic, I do feel like at the end with that, with what they did weighing on them, I do, it did seem like Batman and Superman were both better people mm. from it. It did. Like, I'm not going, they, they, especially Superman, Superman really seemed like he was just like really passionate about making sure, like, I think they both locked down that, like, we do not kill. I think it just mm. really locked that down even more by the end there because they're like in alternate universes we did and now it's weighing on us because and i I also wonder like is it weighing on them because killing is wrong or is it weighing on them because that's just their rule that they broke for themselves excellent question and that's why things like guilt can be so helpful if you're willing to sit with it enough to actually break it down and figure out what what it's coming from what's what it's stemming from it really sucks it does not feel good to do it but it helps you ask those questions of yourself what what is this hitting on and yeah how much of it is true to me how much of it is some expectation that i'm getting from somewhere or just some kind of rule that's been set that may or may not make sense and yeah, they do have to do a lot of this questioning. It's interesting, though, because they're, they're, in my opinion, they're still in this vicious cycle because killing's wrong. How did we fix it? We killed people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's a little, you know, iffy. But, but still, you know, sometimes, too, you get stuck in bad situations and you may not have good options. And you right. may have to choose a not great option to avoid a worse option, which it sounds like for them, that's how they dealt with the cognitive dissonance here, where yes, they they learned not killing and why it's so important. And look what lengths we had to go to to offset that. Yeah. Because of where it led us. Yeah. And then Batman, I feel like got the shit stick in this whole thing because his biggest realization in my mind is he's Bruce Wayne. Superman comes to him and he's like, you're Batman. And he's like, I don't care. (laughs) He's like, no, but you're Batman. And then essentially, though, it gets to this point where Bruce realizes how terrible the world will be without Batman. And so I feel like for him, it's also a realization that that stubbornness that I had of there must be a Batman. It, there's almost this ironic letdown because he finds out that that's true. Yeah, but at the same time, what's interesting is because they remember all this, he essentially, he 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 now 
remembers his life and growing up That's with good. his parents and his family. And I'm and that that was really interesting to me because now I'm like, is that better for him or is it worse? Like he he got he got the life yeah. that that he could have had mm-hmm. and then he had to kind of give it he had to give it up. Yeah. But what happened was still real. It was in a different timeline, yeah. yep. but he remembers it. He remembers growing up with his family. And and I just yeah, it gosh. That it would was, be so complicated heavy. because yeah, on the one hand, it was real. And mm. on the other hand, you know what could have been in this reality. Yeah, that's such a Yeah. Tricky because thing. if you if you ask Batman, would you say what do you think he, if he had a choice, would he completely forget about that? Ooh. Or is he thankful that he actually did get really? that? You know, I just I thought that was really uh, I thought it was really, really interesting the way it all played out. <laughs> do we have a mindful third moment? Do it. So I had trouble thinking of one for this one because. I didn't want us to be mindfully be dictators, but <laughs> um, <laughs> although, you know, we are coming from our own viewpoint. So uh, hopefully we're not insulting uh, anybody out there in terms of how their own countries and government are set up, but um, they, they all have their pros and cons, but essentially they were killing people pretty willy nilly. And I didn't really want us mindfully doing that. So no, uh, that's bad. Yeah, let's yeah. not do that. So um, what I decided we could do is there's there's this visual that always stands out to me about this comic where there's this giant statue of Batman and Superman standing back to back with their arms crossed in front of them mm-hmm. that uh, stands in the main city. I, I don't know if it's Metropolis or somewhere else, but um, that's in the main city. I mean, it's a huge it's statue. It's a giant statue. Yeah, it's a huge it's statue. Huge statue. So I was thinking it could be fun to do a mindful nerd moment where uh, you pretend that you're posing for the superhero statue, whether you want to be Batman or Superman in that context. So whichever cool. one, they're in the same pose. I double checked before we were. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, standing back to back, you and your superhero counterpart uh, with your arms crossed, just taking in that that powerful stance and and the pride that comes with being a superhero and being acknowledged for the good you're doing. We're going to ignore the circumstances of the (laughs) statue in this case, but um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So uh, sit comfortably, close your eyes if you're comfortable with it. If not, just soften your gaze, not looking at anything in particular and focus in on your breath. Notice your inhale and your exhale. You don't have to change it in any way. Just noticing what it's like to help you focus in on this moment and helping you focus in on my voice for this mindful. So I want you to um, imagine yourself as Superman or Batman, or you could be a different superhero if you'd like, but imagining yourself in this superhero pose that I was describing as someone's taking a sketch for your superhero statue. So I want you to imagine your your feet about shoulder length apart. You're standing solidly. And your arms are crossed against your chest in front of you. You're standing up straight. You're in your superhero uniform. You're looking straight ahead. And you're just feeling your own power. Not in a not in a selfish way, not in a gloating way, just acknowledging how it feels to have super heroic power. And and realizing that you're doing such good that other people see it and recognize it and want to acknowledge it, want to spread that that power and appreciation to others by creating a statue of you in this power pose. Just feel what that's like. You're taking in the moment. You're taking one of the few opportunities a superhero has to just 
Breathe in, breathe out the appreciation. Feeling the appreciation, feeling your power, feeling your abilities, and feeling the pride of doing something good with the abilities that you have. And just take in one more deep breath, really acknowledging and appreciating this moment. You fly and zip and grapple around all over, saving people. You barely get a chance to just appreciate. So once again, feeling your solid stance, those feet shoulder width apart, your arms crossed over your chest, looking straight out ahead of you, enjoying this moment. And turning to the person creating the statue, smile at them, say thank you. And next, I want you to take a deep breath because we're going to start shifting out of our mindful nerd moment. Breathing in as that superhero, super powered, getting your statue built, breathing out, holding on to that super poweredness, but shifting it back into your own human form. Breathing in, shifting from getting your statue made and breathing out, being back in your room. Listen to the podcast. All right. How was that? Getting your superhero statue. It was. <laughs> so this one was interesting. It was good. But I did find myself thinking about the being stuck in that particular timeline. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was difficult because I'm like, wait, do I deserve this statue? <laughs> like, <laughs> constantly. So. These are things that can come up, though. I mean, obviously, some, like we were saying with guilt, it is helpful to question our thoughts and reactions and feelings. But also, when we feel pride, a lot of times, I mean, it it, it depends on your culture, your personality, et cetera. But a lot of times when we feel pride, we go, wait, should I be feeling that? Right. Uh, Now I'm full of myself now, right? Like sometimes we think pride equals selfish, being just like, too focused on yourself, not focused on other people. Um, but sometimes, hey, we did a good thing. Um, yeah. So not to say that we shouldn't question and make sure we're doing a good thing. And, yeah. and you're right. The statue in this set of circumstances wasn't too great. But I, I love the recognition of these things. And when you're doing mindfulness and something like that comes up, it can be helpful to not just have that thought, but create an observation. So, oh, I notice I'm having the thought of, do I deserve this? Yeah. So that you make it part of the mindfulness experience that you're doing rather than seeing it as like a drifting off. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like that. Nice. Thanks for nerding out with us. I'm clinical psychologist, Dr. Amelia Brown. Find me on social media at Crafting the Mind. I'm comic enthusiast and professional nerd Keaton Hopkins. Check out my TV and movie reviews on YouTube at TeamJBS. Check out our website at bat-therapy.com, our Bat Therapy YouTube channel, and follow us on social media. See you next week. Same Bat time, same Bat channel.